Welcome to That Farm Life, planting hope, harvesting strength. That Farm Life is a production of Eagle Farms at Williams Baptist University. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. We talk about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between. Because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now here's your host, Stan Norman. Welcome to That Farm Life Podcast. My name is Stan Norman, and I will be serving as your new host. Today marks a special time in the life of That Farm Life Podcast. We are sort of experiencing a handing off from our previous host, Archie Mason. For 129 podcasts, Archie has so faithfully served as the host of this. This ministry was birthed from a pastor's heart for the agricultural community for farmers. And we are grateful for the opportunity to take that and to continue that legacy. The heart that birthed this podcast will continue to be the heart that drives it. We are very honored to be able to steward what Archie has entrusted to us. So we do want to continue that vibe, which Archie was fond of saying, it's okay not to be okay. We want to help you not stay that way. And we're going to continue that spirit, that emphasis, that theme. And so today marks a shift. This is podcast 130 in which Eagle Farms at Williams Baptist University will be producing the podcast. And we hope that you will continue to listen. We hope you will continue to like and share. We hope that you will continue to find benefit in our efforts here. And our first guest today, the one that will mark this shift, is someone that I've been excited to talk to ever since we learned we were going to do this, Professor Melinda Williams. So Melinda, you serve here at Williams Baptist University. You are uh, I'm trying to read your bio here. What do you do here? I'm the assistant professor of communication arts. I teach um, speech, theater, journalism, and I direct a play every semester. And I co-direct the cast. Wow. The traveling ministry team. And you're an alum. I think you're I a graduate of Southern Baptist College back in the yes, day. Yes. And I think this year is sort of a commemorative milestone year for you, isn't it? It is my 40th year at Williams. Wow. Um, I started in... Uh, nineteen in May of nineteen eighty three in the admissions office as an admissions counselor. I soon realized that was not my spiritual gift. <laughs> and the lady who taught speech and theater was my um, high school um, theater teacher, and she came into my office and told me that she was going to resign. And I had already started working on a master's degree, and so they hired me based on the that I complete the master's in uh, speech and theater. Wow, 40 years. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. What an opportunity to influence and shape so many students' lives. But the reason you're on the podcast today is not to talk about theater, although we may circle back around sometime and do that. (laughs) You're here today because you actually are involved in the farming community, in livestock particularly. Yes. Now, did you grow up in Arkansas? Is this home? Uh, yes, I actually I didn't grow up on a farm, but I grew up in uh, Walnut Ridge. My grandfather, uh, when I was very young, had a dairy uh, in between Imboden and Pocahontas. He he uh, worked at a dairy there, and uh, I was around cattle, but we didn't live on a farm. We lived in the big city of Walnut Ridge. So. Okay, 
Well, how then did you get into cattle? Because I think <laughs> you got a side business working in addition to being a faculty member here. You you have free time you fill with cattle. Yes. Um my um husband had a very good friend by the name of Joe Wallace, who was at the time uh when Katie was in elementary school, was the ag teacher for Sloan Hendricks. And he had some pigs and he wanted Katie to show a pig. And so we went to the county fair to watch them show. And Katie soon realized, I don't know if you've ever seen them show pigs or not, but they they turn the pig into a, an arena and the exhibitor has a little like a paddle mm-hmm. that they direct the hog or the pig to go wherever they want it to go. Katie looked up at me. She was about 12, 13 years old, looked up at me and she said, what happens if I lose my pig in the arena? I said, you probably won't win. And so she decided she didn't want to show pigs. And she really liked when the cat, when they brought in the cattle and were showing the cattle, she really liked it. And so she went to my, at that time, my father had bought some cattle from my grandfather and, um, she went to the farm and picked her out a calf. And that was her very first show calf that came straight off of our farm. And that's how we got started. And then she decided she wanted to show, um, registered stock and she liked shorthorn. And so we started buying shorthorn and we just kept them and developed a herd. Probably 75% of our herd is old show cattle. So so you mentioned you didn't grow up on a farm, but Mm-mm. then you referenced that you are on a farm. So how did that shift occur? When, when did you go from living in town to living on a farm? Well, my, my father uh, purchased a farm in Imboden. Uh, it, was, it was in my uh, mother's family. It was uh, my, her aunt had the farm and he purchased it. She had fallen into some financial problems. So he bought the farm for her from her to kind of help her out with some finances. And, um, he rented it for a couple of, uh, a couple of years. And, um, he just decided that he didn't like renting it, renting it anymore. And he purchased some cattle and put on there. Well, my husband and I had started dating and we kind of went up there and everything. And there was an old trailer that sat on the, on the farm. And when we got married, my dad said, you, you and Warren can live in the trailer if you want to. So we just kind of inherited the trailer and lived on the farm. And then we haven't left a farm since then. Okay. Did you make the adjustment okay from a small town to farm? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, well, we'd gone to my grandfather's house, you know, in the summertime, spent a lot of time on the farms and everything. I loved it. I loved being out there. And the, the farm that we lived on had a creek that ran through it. It's a, it's a beautiful place. My mom lives there now. So Okay. So what was the most pleasant surprise, if you can remember, when you first moved there? And what was the most unexpected thing that occurred to you when you moved there? <laughs> well, when we when we moved to um, Imboden, one of the – I don't know if this is – pleasant or not but an unusual thing that happened was that in walnut ridge we knew our neighbors but they just they didn't become involved in your life unless you ask them to Mm. that didn't happen in imboden they came they became involved in your life at the time when we first moved there my husband was a deputy sheriff for lawrence county and um so when we moved in there were a bunch of people that came to help us move in and a bunch of people that just came to hang out well they were deputy sheriffs and state troopers and things like that so the people in the neighborhood kind of thought that somebody of questionable reputation had moved in because there were so many police cars that were around the house <laughs> i did not know that that's good to know <laughs> without i mean 
And it's good and it's bad because we, if our cows ever get out, people yeah. know who are who, where the cattle belong and they'll call us. But then at the same time, they kind of know your business too when you don't really want them to know your business. But that's that's adjustment that there, had to be there, made. That, there's a trade off there. Oh yeah. But yeah. I would say, my dad grew up. His my grandparents were sharecroppers. My dad grew up on a farm, and he made sure that raising us, even though we lived in a small town. We, we were certainly exposed to and immersed in a rural farming yeah. kind of culture. Listening to him talk now at this point in his life, a lot of his memories are about being on the farm and family and friends sharing that, sharing that oh, life yeah. together. And like you said, I don't hear that much in our more modern times, the contemporary settings, and in, even in small towns, you just don't hear yeah. that kind of shared life like you experience on a farm. My dad, my brothers never, they were gone. I have two older brothers and they were gone because I was in my 20s when my dad bought that farm. And so they didn't have that. They didn't have that experience. And I know when my dad passed away, my brother said, you, you have a relation, you had a relationship with him that we didn't have because of that. And a lot of it was because of the farm, because we worked on the farm together. We worked the cows together. We did hay together. And a lot of my memories with my dad go back to that. There's a richness to a farm life in which you share work together, isn't there? Yes. Oh, yeah. It can build relationships, but... (laughs) But, you know, my, my for husband, all that's involved in that, yeah. there's a lot of building going on. Yeah. <laughs> my husband has a sign in his office that said, God excuses the, um, the language that you have when you work cattle. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, well, we won't go down that path. <laughs> so getting back to showing and your daughter. So you and Warren are heavily involved in the um, yeah. cattle community, farming community in this part of the world. And there are listeners that are not familiar with Northeast Arkansas. They may not even be in Arkansas. Uh, our stats tell us we have listeners in all 50 states and even over 30 countries around the world. So a lot of people are listening to us talk about this, and they may not know about the immediate geography, but they can resonate with this idea of having children who have an interest in maybe connecting with something agriculture or farming yes. or related to livestock. And so you, your daughter saw the pigs, decided she might lose her pig. Lose her pig in the ring. I don't know how you do that, but okay, you can lose a pig you, in the ring. If you ever watch them show, it could, it's easy to do. Okay, okay. <laughs> so cattle are a little easier to keep up with because oh, they're yeah. bigger. So how, how did you get into that? You decided we're going to show cattle and we're going to get our daughter involved. And just relate a little bit about that experience, how you got her involved in that. Well, as I said, Joe was Joe Wallace, who's the, was her the ag teacher at Sloan Hendricks at the time. He was very instrumental in, in getting her involved in it. Um, she had there were older kids that were in high school. Katie was in elementary school that came out and helped her learn how to show. Uh, she's still very close friends with one of the young ladies that came out and, and helped her show and helped her learn how to show. And she just fell in love with it. She loved the cows. She loved the being around. The, the kids took care of her. It was a it's like if you're in sports, it's a sports team. They're a family mm-hmm. yeah. and they look out for each other and they take care of each other. Her first show cow that she had, um, Joel, her ag teacher, told her to walk it. And so it was um, at the time we lived in in Smithville, but the the we still had the farm in Imboden. And so that's where the cow was. And so we would go to Imboden and she would walk 
that cow around the city block in Amboden. <laughs> and this guy, I never forget this. This man came out one day when we were walking and he lived on that block. And he said, um, we're going to have family in this weekend. It's a, we're having a wedding. And he said, um, are you going to be walking the cow? And I thought he was going to say, you know, please don't because it poops in the road and, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I said, well, we don't have to. And he goes, oh, no, I've been telling my family all about it, and I need her to walk that cow by our house. And I said, well, that could be arranged. Okay. So Katie became kind of like the uh, entertainment around that block at Imboden for a while as she walked that cow. So thinking about kids and farming, agriculture, and your experience with Katie, how are you seeing this generation or the next generation coming up, getting connected with farming, with livestock? Are you seeing it growing? Is it remaining constant? Do you see a decline? How, how are you seeing the interest of the next generation in agricultural life? Well, in showing, um, one of the biggest changes that we've seen is like my mother – um, actually, when she was younger, uh, she showed cattle. Um, and okay. at that time, you showed for a farm because the farm used it for advertising. And she showed for a, a man named Lucian Sloan, who raised Angus uh, bulls and steers. And he wanted to sell those bulls. So he would, he wanted, so my mom showed them. So that that was kind of an advertisement for his farm. Well, that's kind of how, how we use it now, too. We advertise our farm and our cattle and everything in the show ring in open shows. But a lot of the younger kids, they don't. Um, that's not true anymore. And my one of the things that I don't like is when Katie first started showing. I mean, if somebody went out and spent a whole lot of money on a cow, the kids Everybody was kind of like they kind of shunned them because they were flaunting their wealth or whatever. But that's pretty that's pretty standard now. You have a kid that'll go out and spend tens of thousands of dollars on a steer to show just to get recognition for him. Or and it's not advertising farms anymore. It's not it's not advertising that's the interesting, cattle. Interesting because yeah. you know when you you look in the broader societal norms and shifts. You see a lot of that in sports, yeah. Where those kids coming up, they they spend hundreds and thousands of dollars in the best equipment and in the travel yeah. clubs and all of that in order to put themselves forward for whatever the outcome yeah. or goal is for that. But you're saying that's also bled over now into oh, yeah. livestock showing. Oh yeah, there's a there's a lot of kids that they'll never have farms or they'll never raise cattle or they'll never raise goats, but they'll go out and spend thousands and thousands of dollars on an animal to show just for their recognition. Do they care for the animal themselves or do they have somebody else that does it for them? Well, it's, there's both. A lot of times um, you'll have people that'll take care of it for you. And I mean, we see kids that just walk up to the show ring and somebody hands them a cow and they go in the show ring with it. But you can always tell those kids because the cattle don't act as well as they do with the kids that actually work with their cattle. And so is this something that has recently that you've observed happened recently or did this go back to even when your daughter was doing this? It, 
it had started a little bit when Katie did on a bigger level, like on national shows and everything. And now it's kind of bled into some of the smaller shows. And has that dynamic changed the culture of livestock showing and the events where you do it? Oh yeah. There's show, there's shows now that we have kids that won't go to because the, the cattle are all very expensive cows and they don't think that there's a little compete. And so they don't go to those shows, but we try to, you know, we try to push, um, some of the shows that we do around Imboden and some of the shows that we're responsible for, we try to, you know, keep it where um, anybody feels comfortable showing and that they can come in and show well, their cows. That's that good. Good for you. Hope you can continue that. So you and your husband are very much involved in leadership in the cattle community. Right? Yes. I think Warren is uh, head of the Cattlemen Association. Livestock. He's, he's pre- right now he's serving as president of the uh, Cattlemen, the Lawrence Randolph County Cattlemen's Association. He also serves... He and I both serve in um, the uh, Sloan Hendricks FFA Alumni Association, which raises money for the livestock show team at Sloan Hendricks. And then we both serve with the Arkansas Shorthorn Association. So something that occurred to me as you were sharing about Warren, both of you have other full-time employment. Yes. Warren works at First National Bank. He's a vice president. You are a full-time faculty member at Williams. So you both have full-time jobs. Yes. And in addition to that, you were doing livestock showing, raising, and and having grown up in this, I know that that could be a full-time job. It doesn't take a whole lot of cattle in order for that to become a full-time job. So tell me, how do you guys manage your lives? How, how, how many head do you raise? How many do you run? Do your jobs influence how large your herd gets or do you just try to do the best you can or unpack well, the, that? Our land mostly influences the land that we have available mostly influences the size of herd that we have. Um, we run cattle on my mother's farm, my uh, mother, where my mother and dad uh, bought. Uh, we have cattle there and we have cattle on the farm that we live. We live uh, in between Imboden and Pocahontas off of Highway 62. And so, um, and we have cattle out there too. We have about 40 some odd um, head of cattle. Um, we got a few that are in the barn that are showing. Uh, we actually have six, I think right now. Yeah, six. Um, we have two light, young ladies that are showing for us and they show two a piece. And then we have two that Katie shows in the open show. And we couldn't accomplish anything that we do if Katie and her husband didn't live close. Yeah. They live, they live on the farm, but they have our farm. Um, there's a gravel road, New Bunny Lane, that goes down the back of our farm. And Katie and her husband have a trailer that just sits right off of that, off New Bunny Lane. So they have their own entrance and they have their own yard and they have their own privacy. <laughs> but um, if they didn't live there, uh, we there was be no way because they're very instrumental in the operation of the farm. So essentially, it is still a family operation oh, for yeah. you guys. Yes, it most definitely is. That's definitely. So that that's the way you kind of share the load then. You have mm-hmm. your, your yeah. daytime job, but the other is shared with spread out over the family mm-hmm. members. So right. so Katie also works in the day, yes. right? Yeah. She ha- she's a um science teacher. Well, actually science and journalism. Okay. Uh, high school teacher at Sloan Hendricks. And her husband? Uh he drives a truck for uh, Verkler Trucking that's in Blackrock. Okay, so all of you have full-time, 40-hour-plus-a-week mm-hmm. yep. jobs, yep. and you're doing this. Yes. Do you ever get 
where you'll think, I can't do this anymore. Uh, this is too much. And, and the benefit and the joy of, of this life is outweighed by the demands and the challenges. Well, that's, it's interesting that you asked that because this morning I got very frustrated because it has been pleasant feeding in the mornings because of the temperature. Yeah. And then we went out this morning yeah, and I felt like oppressive. I needed, yes, I felt like I needed to take a shower, change all my clothes and do everything when I got done feeding. It's more difficult in the summer because of that. Because uh, it's the heat, yeah, and we have to adjust to like you, you can't work the cattle in this heat because it's hard on them, it stresses them. And I get more frustrated this time of year because of that because you have to adjust so much to the heat. Um, and when we have a breaking heat, it's so, it's so nice. But then we just finished the county fair, and and it was a tough week because we all worked at the county fair. Katie, this was Katie's first week of school. Um, warns uh, the livestock superintendent during the county fair and it was just it's was a difficult week and it was very busy on all of us but then you know you see the kids showing and on one of the young ladies um, that shows for us on facebook she had all her banners laid out that she won during the county fair and everything and then then you go yeah well I'll go back out there in the 100 degree temperature and feed that cow because it just, I don't know, it just makes it all worth it when you see that and you see them. So how would you encourage a family or what are you guys doing to try to hand this off to the next generation the right way? How do you want to draw in students into showing and raising livestock? Well, we we sat down. When Katie got married, we sat down and discussed, you know, like what we wanted to do with our cattle and where we wanted to go and what direction we want to go in. And this was what we wanted to do. We wanted to provide cattle to um, young people to show. And we all four agreed to it that this would be our ministry. Hmm. And that was something that all four of us could work together on. I mean, you know, there are things that you and I'm nothing that's not trying to bash a ministry in the church. But, I mean, Katie and I would do, like, drama in the church, and my husband and her husband would go watch us, but they can't they can't participate with us. Or, let me say, they won't participate right. <laughs> with us. <laughs> and, but this is something all four of us can do, and all four of us can participate in, and all four of us can be a part of. Mm. And um, we – there, and I know that Katie, when uh, – Katie – went to school out here at Williams and she got an employee scholarship, but there were still things that she needed to pay. And her first probably four semesters, she paid with private scholarships. She got out of showing and out of agriculture and livestock. Um, and I know there's a young lady that just graduated from um, Sloan Hendricks and she's going to Arkansas state. And she, I know that probably she will pay all of her college, if not some of her master's degrees master degree with the money she got in scholarships it just provides so much of an opportunity and not just scholarship money i mean it's teaches them leadership it teaches them responsibility we have one of the young ladies that uh shows for us we (laughs) we always say it's a come to jesus meeting we had she stood in the ring last year in springfield missouri and cried and said i can't do this and Katie had several talks with her about the use of the word can't. And then in October, about three or four months after that, 
She won a grand champion at the Arkansas State Fair. Nice. She won reserve in the open show, and she placed in showmanship. And she, she's been showing for us for a year now, a little over a year. And she told us the other day that she's ready to start her own herd. And there you I go. mean, that's just, that to me is like, You've handed wow. it off. Yeah. You've handed it off. Yeah. Now you mentioned a moment ago, scholarships. You're referencing maybe some scholarship opportunities for students that come from an ag background that they can use to go to college or university somewhere. Is that what you were talking about? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, um, the FFA has scholarships okay. and then. There are other organizations okay. that and yeah. 4-H, um, the state fair provides them, the county fairs pr- will provide them. Yeah. Um, there's um, a lot of organizations, um, Oaklawn Park in Hot Springs, Katie got a scholarship from them. Wow. And they do things for ag, the ag kids, too. Well, Melinda, thank you for being on the podcast today. We are well, excited you. to uh, be entrusted with this, and uh, we're hopeful, we are committed to uh, honoring uh, the ministry, the intent of reaching and continuing to serve the ag community, the farmers of uh, Northeast Arkansas, Arkansas, our nation across the globe. And uh, we are honored to have you back. I hope you can, will come back sometime oh, sure. in the future. We can talk more about handing uh, and reaching the next generation of sure. farmers and to. livestock professionals. So thank you for listening today. As I mentioned to you earlier, The podcast, That Farm Life, is now being brought to you by Eagle Farms at Williams Baptist University. And so we will still maintain the the AgriHealth Network website. Uh, We will still be maintaining communications through that. So like us, share us, follow us, and we look forward to serving you at the next podcast. And remember, keep farming, keep the faith. You've been listening to That Farm Life. Planting hope, harvesting strength. With your host, Stan Norman. That Farm Life is a creation of AgriHealth Network and is produced by Eagle Farms at Williams Baptist University. AgriHealth Network exists to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about AgriHealth Network at agrihealth.net and more about Williams at williamsbu.edu. That Farm Life is produced and edited by Mike Dixon. Chris Grady and Brett Cooper serve as executive producers. And Elizabeth Ring is our production assistant. Thanks for listening. And as always, keep farming and keep the faith.